Today we have two scriptures. So uh, Sarah Conant will be reading uh, the text from the Gospel of Matthew, and it's the story of Jesus's triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And then we'll also hear a text uh, from a psalm, from Psalm 31, and it's a psalm of lament. So in these two scriptures, we will get a glimpse of the whole of Holy Week, uh, the triumphal entry, the excitement over Jesus, and lament over what we know is coming uh, in just a matter of days. So I invite Sarah to, to share with us the gospel text. When they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, The Lord needs them, and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, Who is this? The crowds were saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. And our second scripture comes from Psalm 31. Be gracious to me, O God, for I am in distress. My eyes waste away from grief, my soul and body also. For my life is spent with sorrow and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my misery and my bones waste away. I'm the scorn of all my adversaries, a horror to my neighbors, an object of dread to my acquaintances. Those who see me in the street flee from me. I've passed out of mind like one who is dead. I have become like a broken vessel. For I hear the whispering of many, terror all around, as they scheme together against me, as they plot to take my life. But I trust in you, O God. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and persecutors. Let your face shine upon your servant. Save me in your steadfast love. Please pray with me. Holy God, we thank you for the gift of being together even though we are uh, distant in body. We thank you for the presence of your word in our hearing and in our gathering. Open our hearts and minds so that we may embody your word to bless the world you love. Amen. I remember as a kid, Palm Sunday always felt a little out of place. I could tell that Lent was serious, even somber. 
And then all of a sudden, there we were parading through church, singing, celebrating, waving palms, and shouting Hosanna. It was almost like Easter. But then we plunged right back into somber with the gravity of the rest of Holy Week and Good Friday. Since seminary, I've learned that we actually have a choice. We can think of this Sunday as Palm Sunday, focusing on Jesus's triumphal entry, or we can think of it as Passion Sunday. Passion in the suffering sense of that word, like compassion, suffering with. With Passion Sunday, we focus not so much on the triumphal entry, but on Jesus' suffering in the garden and in the courtroom and on the cross. And that choice feels somehow odd too. We can think of today as either Palm Sunday with its ironic hope or as Passion Sunday with its suffering and pain. I suggest we consider them both as we move toward communion. Now, the first thing I notice though is this crowd. This crowd has gathered together to welcome Jesus. And I think, y'all need to stay at home. Y'all need to do your social distancing. Y'all need to stay six feet apart. And then I snap out of it. But I have to say, oh, what I would give for us to be able to be in a big crowd now. I would just love the freedom to go join a good protest right about now. But this is their world. And this crowd has been popping up throughout the Gospel of Matthew. They followed Jesus out into the wilderness to be baptized. They've listened to him preach his Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. They've been miraculously fed, thousands of them, twice. And here they are laying down palms in the street, shouting Hosanna as Jesus enters Jerusalem riding on a donkey and a colt. They're thinking maybe... Maybe this is the one, the one who can change everything. The scene is set up to look like a triumphal military parade, like the Roman army with their chariots entering a vanquished city or our modern day equivalent with tanks rolling in. But I like the way that Katie Hines Shaw describes it in the Christian century. She says that if this is supposed to be about a show of power, then Jesus gets it all wrong. Instead of entering Jerusalem on a tank, Jesus rides in on a tractor. And we realize that this parade isn't so much about a display of power over. It's more like Dr. King gathering a crowd at the Lincoln Memorial to defy and to dismantle the power of white supremacy. It's more like Gandhi marching with thousands to the sea to make salt, to defy and drive out an empire. This gathering is a flashpoint. It's a flashpoint that rises up out of the hard realities of their lives in the long arc of collective action that will lead to a better day. And maybe that's why Palm Sunday felt so out of place to me years ago. It's, it's the shout of hope in the midst of a hard, hard world. And after the shout, they are still there in those hard realities. They carry that hope back into their world of bare subsistence living, back into their world of imperial violence, back into their world of hurting and harm. That's the world that Jesus keeps moving into as he enters into Holy Week and the story of the passion, the suffering that unfolds from this point. The religious leaders go after Jesus, they do everything they can to trap him. 
Jesus is betrayed by a friend. Knowing what lies ahead, Jesus prays and agonizes in the garden. He is arrested and beaten, tried before religious leaders and then by Pontius Pilate. The crowd turns on him. Jesus is mocked. The soldiers put a crown of thorns on his head and he's crucified. By Good Friday, just days after Palm Sunday and the triumphal entry, we, we find ourselves in the scene now of abject suffering. The shout is less like Hosanna and more like the lament we hear in the psalm I just read. Be gracious to me, God, for I'm in distress. My eyes waste away from grief. My life is spent with sorrow. Jesus will quote another part of this psalm on the cross as he is crucified. Into your hands, I commit my spirit. In Holy Week, we find ourselves in the midst of the whole of life, every bit of it, all the hope and hosannas, all the hard realities, all the suffering and lament, all the stuff of life, it's all there in Holy Week for them then and for us now. And Christ is present in all of it, present in and voicing the lament. I can feel an echo of their lament in my bones these days. Can you? We're living in the hard realities of our world, a world wrapped in pandemic. The nightly news brings harder realities with every broadcast. So many people sick, so many people dying. It's always before us, all around us, and we're scared. And in the midst of it, we're trying to live our lives, to do our best, to help, and to survive. Students are doing their schoolwork online. Parents are watching over them and working from home and preparing the meals, trying to provide some source of stability and normalcy. We shelter in place. Our older adults and others in higher risk groups have been sheltering for some time now, all of us now in this new time of social isolation and all that comes with it. And we gather here in this new space we have created to persevere in worship, and in Hosanna, and in lament, persisting in both the cry and the hope that God's people have resounded across the ages. And at the heart of Holy Week, theirs and ours, there's communion. In between Palm Sunday and Good Friday, Jesus gathered his disciples at a table. In the midst of this day of palms and of passion, we are making our way toward communion too. I want us to think some about what we are doing here today as we gather for communion, because this is at the same time a sacrament and a tradition as old as our faith. And in this moment, in this moment today, it is something entirely new. We celebrate communion, as we say, in the communion with all those who have ever gathered at Christ's table and everyone around the world. We know its rhythms. We can say the words, and we have never done it quite like this. Let's claim that and give thanks for that. Let's consider some of the things that we will do here and what all this looks like for us today. Communion is a sacrament, 
It's one of those moments in worship where the word comes to life, when it is embodied in us, when we see the word embodied in communion. And we're used to seeing it embodied in the bodies around us, in person, but we can't be in person today. For our own health and the health of the world, we just can't be in person with each other today. And so what we see here, what we see here, is a broader glimpse of the body that we are talking about, the body of Christ, the fullness of the body of Christ, each of us a valued and beloved part, the body of Christ stronger than anything that separates us. Here we are together, the body of Christ, this sacrament embodied in this community across distance, spanning continents and oceans, though we are dispersed across the miles, we are gathered here together, right here, right now. And think about the specific things that we do. When we celebrate communion, we give thanks. That is what Eucharist means. We give thanks to God for God's abiding, unshake-offable love. And I don't know about you, but my prayers of thanks lately have expanded almost as much as my prayers of concern. I'm noticing things to be thankful for that I've long taken for granted. I'm grateful just to get up in the morning. When I take my one daily walk, I'm grateful for every flower, for the bright sunshine, for the rain, for each neighbor that I have to give six feet of distance to. And when the nightly news comes crashing down on me, I'm grateful that I have a place to stand, solid ground. I'm grateful for Jesus and for this community. Maybe you have prayers of gratitude like that. And if you want to, you can share them in the chat so that others can, can see what you're thankful for. In communion, as we give thanks, we also tell a story. And not just the story of what happened that night in the upper room, we tell that story. And we tell the story of God's saving love across the generations. God in action for our sake and for the sake of the world. Yes, God presence with us in Jesus Christ and even before that. We remember how God brought the people up out of slavery and into freedom. We remember how when the people were in exile, God brought them home. We remember how when we needed God most, God came to us in Jesus Christ and God has never abandoned us. How God is present with us, even now, in the Holy Spirit, in us. And as we tell that story in communion, we add to it. We say right here, right now, God is with us in pandemic and in isolation and in our fear. God is with us. We remember the story and we add to it the story that we will tell in the years to come to ourselves and to those who follow. Do you remember? Do you remember when God came to us and never left? And we share a meal. We come to this table and we are nourished. Now we usually have one bread and share one cup, a sign of how we're one in Jesus Christ. But again, we can't do it exactly like that today. So today, each of us in our own shelter, we each have our own cup. We probably have brought a variety of breads. In this sacrament, we are one in Christ, and as we live it out today, we get a glimpse of the diversity that we embody within that unity. All of us one, and each one of us, each one of us wonderfully ourselves. In this meal, 
God nourishes us in the midst of our wilderness, manna for our desert places. And we're reminded of those who hunger and of our responsibility to share our bread. And we're nourished not only in body, but as we do communion like this, God nourishes another of our deep needs. In these days of isolation, we hunger for the companionship of each other. We share this meal like this, and we are fed. And as we celebrate communion like this, we have, we have an even broader glimpse of what we call the communion of the saints. As we enact this sacrament, this deep tradition, reimagining it as we must for our time, we think of all the communities all around the world who are doing the very same thing in their own way. And if we let that settle in, we realize that this is how it is every time we break bread. Every time that we or any community celebrates the sacrament, we do it in our bodies and our voices, the specific bodies gathered together somehow, some way, every time, every time embodied in a way that the world has never seen before. And yet, embodying a truth that has been with us since before time began. And that truth that we embody, the truth we claim in this sacrament, it is what we call the real presence of Christ. The real presence of Christ. You know, over the centuries, folks have loved to argue about what we're doing in communion. Is this really the actual body of Christ? Really the blood? And churches uh, have split over history again and again over that discussion. Where Presbyterians have landed is to say this, this, this sacrament is the real presence. This bread, this cup, this. The real presence of Christ. What we embody when we celebrate the sacrament, what we embody for us and for the whole world is the real presence of Christ. Christ above us and Christ below us. Christ behind us from the beginning of time, Christ before us on out into forever, Christ beside us and all around us, Christ within us. Whether we think of this as Palm Sunday or Passion Sunday or both, here we are. In the midst of it all, in the midst of all the stuff of life, the trouble and the tenderness of our day, and what we find as we move into Holy Week, as we move toward communion, is the real presence of Christ. God has come to us in Jesus Christ, and God has never abandoned us and never will. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna.